The Eagles get a chance to create something. What can Nick Nat do? The rucks tangle up. The ball spills short. Cripps waits for it to bounce, and he's allowed to go in after it. Nat Nui breaks free, shows and goes and snaps and goals. Nick Nat Nui again. How many times have we seen this man snap a goal out of the ruck in the forward pocket? That is fantastic. Doesn't matter how many times we've seen it. It'll never be too many. Yeah, that's just brilliant. As we see here, a little bit of warming up from Dylan Grimes. He's done well to keep his feet there. That's five, six, seven, eight steps in a row without falling over. A new world record. Congratulations, <laughs> Dylan. And Richmond now set it long inside 50. Liam Ryan coming in for his third goal of the day. Perfect. The goal umpire does not move. Get up, he says. Get up, boys. And come on, Eagles. Here they come. Matera sets sail for home. And the Eagles hit the front. Wilson. Like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top. Subic, great grab. Across the ground. Bang! In comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick. Kick it. Chick. Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50. McGovern. McGovern. What a player. Chief needs to be in perfect the the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. We're unpacking the breaking Jamie Cripps news and, of course, previewing this Tuesday's clash with Essendon. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and joining me this week is Mr. KK. How are you going? Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Give you a, a chop out in a very busy week as you uh, juggle your broadcasting and podcasting responsibilities. <laughs> Respons- I don't know about responsibilities. It's, uh, yeah, not handling the responsibilities too well. Yesterday's call was very fun and thank you to everybody that joined me on that one. It was uh, hopefully, hopefully an enjoyable listening experience for, for the listeners and potentially insightful, hopefully very biased, and uh, I think we're going to dial up the aggression. A lot of the feedback was more swearing, more aggression, more hounding the opposition, so uh, we will dial that one up on the next call. KK, that does actually, in fact, bring me to our weekly plugs, as always. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at WCEBFpod. Follow us on Big Footy, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you are interested in listening to a live call, we are going to do it again this Tuesday against Essendon. Uh, it'll start at around 6pm, so around about 10 minutes before the bounce down, a bit of a lead-in. But then, yeah, we will be calling the game Eagles Fans Perspective. It's commentary by Eagles fans for Eagles fans. We're going to get the players' names right. We're going to pump up our boys. We're going to shit all over the opposition. So we'd really love to see you there. And uh, jump on social media, follow the link for that one. On with the show. West Coast Eagles, 9 goals, 7, 61, were defeated by Richmond, 14-4-88. KK, this was a game that was billed potentially as the game of the season. It was certainly a very pivotal one in the scheme of that race for the top four. From a neutral perspective, it probably delivered. From an Eagles perspective, quite frustrating. I think the effort was there, but the Eagles couldn't quite get going into our sort of game style as we liked. Richmond controlled the pace and they sort of controlled the play. What's your takeaway from that Richmond defeat? Yeah, off the top, it was a really enjoyable game outside of the result. You've got 
two teams with probably the the most varied strategies across the league and the, the last three premierships between them. Um, you could really talk a lot about the story if the media could get the head out of their Victorian asses. But yeah, it was a very enjoyable game to watch, um, high quality, and maybe it's a bit me managing my expectations, but I'm not that upset about the result. I felt it was a lot closer than the scoreline suggested. We had a few a bit of a drop-off in the third and fourth quarter and, and conceded some quick goals. And we never really all night managed to stop Richmond responding as soon as we got a goal. We couldn't get a run on, really, mm. apart from that um, late in the third when Darling had kicked three in quick succession. But there were so many moments in the game that just could have gone either way. And my biggest fear going in was, were we going to perform what we did in the hub earlier in the season? And we didn't. We were miles, miles better than that. And I think you said in the call... Uh, we, we couldn't let the rope go when Richmond started to get away and we didn't. We, we fought it till the end, kept them honest, kept the margin down and I just think on a day we, we can absolutely take them. And I think we saw last night that the two best teams, as far as I'm concerned, Richmond are the team to beat until proven otherwise. But I think alongside them, those two teams, their best is at a level that other teams can't match for, for any kind of sustained period of time. So... Great game, disappointing result, but a lot of positives and things to learn on and, and move on. And so I'm confident we can take them next time. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one. And I am, I always sort of skew optimistic. I think I do, especially when the Eagles are in good form, you know, and, and we have been in good form. We've just come off an eight straight victory streak. So I'm like you, we didn't get into our game style. And there's a few numbers that sort of hint at that. Kick to handball ratio is usually a really strong point of the Eagles. We average well above 1.7 kicks for every handball. Our previous lowest this year was 1.6. On Thursday's game, 1.17. So a massive fall away, a lot more even handballs to kicking. Uh, Similarly, tackles, we average 47, which is the second lowest in the league. We had 56. Now that's a league leading number there. 56 is about where the average is for the number one side who are Port Adelaide. So similarly, marks, we're the second in footy in marks, 79 per game. We had 46. The game was not played on our terms. You can point to Richmond's pressure for that and you can say we didn't do enough to wrestle it onto our terms. Sure. But with that said, Richmond kicked 14 goals one off their boot. There were three rush behinds. That one behind came on the final kick of the day. So basically, between the sirens, they kicked 14 goals straight. That's not happening again. You know, those are the sort of things you talk about moments that could break one way or another. They nailed their 50-50 shots. They nailed some shots from the centre square. Do we need to be sharper? Yes. Do we need to defend them better and force their shots to come from more difficult angles? Yes. There's plenty of scope to improve from that game, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm not willing to say... Well, look, we dropped, you know, we dropped a game to the Tigers by four goals. They're not four goals better than us. Or they certainly didn't play four goals better than us. And crucially, like you said, the challenge came. We were down a similar margin in the third quarter and we did hit back with some goals. We started down, game not on our terms, and it was only one goal, but we chipped it back. And the sides really did trade blows throughout most of the game. So I'm I'm kind of I'm frustrated with the result. I'm comfortable with the process. And I think on another day bounce of the ball you never know with these sorts of things so yeah season well and truly alive for the Eagles not time to throw it out just yet let's talk some positives KK and one of the biggest ones coming out of the game was perhaps it was Liam Duggan's best game for the club similarly Tom Cole a massive game and we've seen this halfback unit click these mid-sized small defenders have really nice seasons when the going got tough 
These were the guys that stood up, and that is a really positive sign from a youngster's perspective. You know, they're, they're sort of young guys, and they were the ones that really lifted the club when it needed to happen. What did you make of their game? Absolutely fantastic. It's, it's great to see them really grow into the responsibility and, in, and perform so well in such a big game. They are both premiership players, obviously, and maybe you got a bit of an insight into Cole's mentality in the grand final where he had a, a shocking first quarter and then pretty much blanketed Stevens and the rest of that game. Yeah, they both had solid runs in the team this year, particularly Cole that's um, had his best run of games and just growing with the responsibility of the role. And you can look beyond this season as well, that that's, that's a really great sign. Hearns on the way out in the back line, Jetta probably too. There's, there are a couple of your senior leaders and you're looking for people to step up. And it's fantastic to see Duggan and Cole do that and to do it against the best team in the business. It was really great to see. And what about Xavier O'Neill? Another positive coming out of this game, I think, for most Eagles fans. We've been clamouring for a young mid for so long, somebody that we can sort of pin our hopes to for that next generation. Obviously, Sheed took a little while to get going. We drafted Duggan maybe as a mid, maybe as a backman, and we, we haven't really seen yet too much out of him as a mid, although obviously he is trending in that direction, evidently. Great footy from him. But Xavier O'Neill really starting to sort of be believed and, and a bit of buy-in from the Eagles fans about him. Another nice game for him. 16 touches. He had four inside 50s, which is great to see. And crucially, KK, he's not hidden away on the flank. We're not playing him awkwardly as a pocket and just trying to get him involved as we can. He's at the coalface. He's at the center bounces. He's on the ball. And again, another one that really, when the going got tough in that fourth quarter, Xavier O'Neill was there. How did you find his effort? Yeah, my sum total of Xavier O'Neill knowledge prior to his debut was his draft highlights video, not being able to get any, see any waffle games. And from that, the first thing I thought was, God, he plays like Shuey. He just moves mm-hmm. like him, mm-hmm. turns on a dime, kicks off both feet. And when he did the interview after his debut was announced and said that Shuey had sort of been his mentor at the club, I thought, wow, that's that's great. It's a player who, <laughs> who um, he reminds me of and the captain of the club uh, leading him and he looked really fantastic for a second-game player. Even last week, I think his first involvement I noticed last week was bringing down Shane Mumford. And for a first-game midfielder, that's a, a fair effort. He had a, a great tackle on Martin last night, which most people across the league struggle to, to bring him down. And he had just great signs for a second-game player. He, he looks like an AFL footballer already, just in his body size, the way he moves, the, the way he sort of positions himself around the contest and the get, he's dropped straight into picking up the pace and the physicality of the game. So that's really, really good signs. And I'm pleased for him because we haven't, we haven't had a midfielder that's sort of um, come in and given us a whole lot of excitement for a while. Um, and if he's the one, then yeah, let's get behind him. Now we'll swing it away from some positives, unfortunately, for the moment. We'll talk about perhaps a flaw in the game plan or certainly an issue that we started to see creep into the Eagles over the last few weeks. And that is the tendency for intercept marks to be dropped, or more specifically, KK, the damage that can be done once those dropped intercept marks are happening in the back 50. We saw it a lot yesterday. We saw it, I believe, against Carlton as well, quite often and and quite badly. It's that Barras in that game and and McGovern and Barras against Richmond as well, they're going the mark and you do back them in to get the mark. I understand why they're confident enough to go the mark. They've shown time and time again that that is an option for them, but... When they put that on the deck, clubs are wise to it. They're sending numbers at the feet of our big guys. They know that we're not going to kill it to the boundary or just sort of try and get a reset. We're going to try and aggressively take the mark and start our game style. 
The problem creeps in when you put those marks on the floor. And again, KK, we saw that yesterday. Richmond rushing numbers, a lot of front and centre crumbing, a lot of snaps, and ultimately a lot of goals conceded. How do we go about mitigating this? Because you, you don't want Gov to not fly for the mark. You don't want Barras to just go the fist every time. That is a safe level of aggression, and it's taking the game on, and it's playing our brand of footy. You can't wipe it out altogether. So how do we mitigate that and be better prepared when it does eventually hit the deck? I think knowledge of your weaknesses is the first point. It's um, Predictability is a killer in this game. There's too many smart coaches and assistant coaches across the league that, as you say, if if they know that we're not going to spoil the ball away from a contest, we're either going to take a mark or it's going to come to ground, then you will put numbers around the base of the contest. Um, at worst, you'll then have numbers that might be able to slow down the possession even if we do manage to take a mark so it's a bit of awareness of that that teams are going to do that and maybe just dialing it down a bit particularly against a team like Richmond with such a dangerous lot of small forwards that you talked before about the process being as important as the outcome and the fact that the ritual were kicking to pack situations that's not their natural game style so that is kind of a win for the process the the goals we were fearing that we'd concede will be the ones like Martin kicked in the last quarter where it's a chain of 100 million handballs ends with an uncontested mark in the goal square. So if they're kicking to packs and relying on their tools to to bring the ball to ground, um, that is a bit of a process win for us. And But so we do just need to understand that there's going to be times where you just got to clear the ball out of the area and understanding that the best outcome is a mark, but by far the worst outcome is having the ball come down at your feet. And it's about sort of minimising your your biggest loss, really. KK, before we move away from the Richmond game, let's just talk a little bit about our forward line dynamic because we saw it struggle very badly in our first stint in the hub. And we saw Liam Ryan playing some fantastic footy, but almost single-handedly. You know, it took a while for Kennedy to get going. Darling didn't really get going in the hub. Cripps was having his worst stretch of footy, possibly in his Eagles career throughout that early stint in the hub. So... It was on in a much better dynamic last night. We lost Kennedy early, unfortunately, and we will circle back to that when we're doing our ins and outs at the end. But we obviously were down a man in the forward line. Brander possibly didn't give us too much. Darling was quiet, but he gave us three goals very, very quickly, and he showed that he still got that in him. Liam Ryan led the way the whole time. Archie is a guy I've been critical of, but I thought he was very heavily involved and chasing the packs. He was getting on the ground some clever taps and knock-ons, non-disposal things, but, you know, getting heavily involved. So, you know, there were signs there. The Eagles, certainly from a forward line perspective, and I would say across the ground, they looked a lot more switched on this time than last time we saw them in the hub. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you compare Cripps' form last night to the first part of the hub, but it's chalk and cheese. He was very much involved. I, I, I liked Archie early. Seemed to fade a bit as the game went on. And I like what we did with Liam Ryan. He's... He's a natural forward. He's a lot more than just a guy that flies for marks and runs down the wing. I've seen in other games, but he's quite a good contested mark in an on-the-ground situation as well, just um, holding, protecting the space, holding his um, his opponent out of the contest for a guy of his stature. And you could see when he was one out in the forward line against McIntosh, who's not a sort of recognised defender, he, he looked quite uncomfortable there. So I'd like to see us do more of that with Ryan. I also like to see Darling got a few goals in a in a bit of a purple patch in the third term. He was he was kind of quiet before that, um, but losing Kennedy so early, it's a bit of a a readjustment on the fly that that's kind of hard to do, and it might take take them a few a quarter or so to work that out. 
but I think Darling will be, be better for the run and hopefully he's got some confidence in the hub to to keep it going. And um, we'll talk about changes because obviously um, one of the guys we just mentioned uh, won't be available for the next game or next few games and we'll need to work out how to fill that hole. Moving on with the show and some news now. It's news that KK did just hint on then because we do have a couple of forwards that aren't going to be available for the foreseeable future. And one of them through injury in Josh Kennedy. The other one, Jamie Cripps. And this is a bit of a, a, an unpredictable situation, I suppose, just from the fans' point of view. He has come home from Queensland. He's left the hub. He's come back to WA because he and his partner are expecting their first child. He obviously has to go into a bit of a quarantine stretch as well. So a completely fair enough reason to come home. The Eagle small forwards now looking very, very thin on the ground. We've seen some injuries. There's the Willy Rioli factor still hanging over us, of course. Um, and, we're, and we're pretty deep into our options there. So we will get back to that one when we preview the Essendon game. But KK, just having a look at it, if Jamie Cripps is in quarantine for two weeks, which it looks like he will need to be, that takes him to about the 11th of September. Now, the Eagles are set to play on the 10th of September against uh, St Kilda. After that, we play North Melbourne. And there is a chance that that game is at Optus. If it's not, we've possibly seen the last of Jamie Cripps, certainly for the home and away season, and perhaps for longer than that. How do we start to unpack this news here? I think firstly we say um, best wishes to, to Jamie and his, his partner and hope it all goes well. Um, hope that the early departure isn't a sign of any any uh, health issues and that he's not stuck in um, quarantine at the when things start happening. So, um, yeah, I hope, hope it all goes well for him. As far as the team goes, yeah, we're going to be out him. You can probably lock it in for the remainder of the home and away season. And it's an area of the ground that we've, uh, we're thinnest of <laughs> across the whole season. So we are going to have to move the pieces around a bit. And it's a bit disappointing that earlier in the season we had more options and he was out of form. Now he's actually back in form when we've got no options to replace him. So that's the, that's the luck sometimes. And um, it's up to the coaches to earn their biscuit. Main event time for the week, round 15 coming up, and it is another short break for the Eagles. This fixture crunch really starting to get into the swing of things now. The Eagles play Essendon this Tuesday, 10 past 6 p.m. Western Standard Time, and a game at the Gabba. It's a ground that we've not really played too well during our first stint in the hub but the Eagles facing an Essendon side coming off the same number of days breaks as well. They obviously just played slightly earlier than us on the Thursday night. We've got a bit of a live one here that we'll be watching and updating just as it finishes. It's not far off finishing now. That's the Bulldogs and Geelong game. That has massive ladder implications, which we'll circle back to when we know the result. But KK, this one now, and indeed all the games from here on out for the Eagles, massive, massive ladder implications when they go up against Essendon. We'll start by naming the side. A short turnaround, a few sore bodies, Jamie Cripps unavailable. I'll throw it over to you here. Who do you want to see come in and who is going to have to make way as the Eagles play Essendon? Yeah, you're going to assume that Kennedy and Cripps are unavailable. I actually, if Redden's available, I like the idea of Redden coming in and Hutchings being pushed forward, maybe to play on uh, Jordan Ridley, the guy that um, he's having a breakout season. Yeah, so... so I kind of like the idea of Redden replacing Cripps if he's available and Hutchings moves into a, a, a forward a forward position with a defensive focus. Uh, in terms of Kennedy, Allen and or we like play Allen and Williams and switch them between between forward and ruck. I think Williams 
shows enough up forward that he's, he's a pretty natural natural forward and Alan's the same. Neither of them are going to be up to Kennedy standards, but few people are. So he, probably Darling will end up sort of leading the line. I hope we continue to, to use Ryan as a as a key target and we'll just make it work with some other guys going through there. Uh, the other option might be to, to push Brander into another new position and put him down the forward line. Yeah, not sure I'm too sold on that because then we'd have to replace his current role with, I'm guessing, Ainsworth. And, yeah, the choice between bringing Allen or Ainsworth in, I think it's a pretty much a no-brainer to bring Oscar Allen in. So for me, it would be Allen in, Redden in, and Cripps and Kennedy out and hoping we don't have any more um, curveballs thrown at us in terms of guys needing replacing. So I'm going to go a little bit more aggressively than that and the injuries factor it, the short turnaround factors into it as well. It's not something we've seen the club do a lot, make more than, you know, one or two changes. They, they, they tend not to have these big overhauls, but, you know, this is my segment. I'm making the call here, and so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go four in and four out. Kennedy comes out injured. Nick Natanui comes out for a rest. Cripps obviously comes out due to his unavailability, and I'll put Shannon Hearn down for a rest as well. He was coming off the boil a little bit pace-wise towards the end of that game, and I just think it's the sort of thing you could you could sort of give him a bit of a rest and, and refresh him, hopefully, for that last stretch of games. Now, with that, Allen coming in for Kennedy, and Allen will play forward. He'll chop out Williams in the ruck. Williams keeps his place. I've got Redden coming in, and I agree with you. Redden comes into the mids. Hutch goes back to the half, uh, to the half forward line and, and perhaps a tagging role there. The other ones that I've got coming in, Nelson and Jetta. So Jetta replaces Hearn, and Nelson sort of in that awkward, you know, is he, a, is he a winger, is he a midfield, is he a halfback, that sort of role there. Either he or Duggan or even Cole, we've seen start on the wing uh, as recently as the Giants game. So for me, Alan Nelson, Red and Jetta in. Kennedy, Natanui, Hearn, Cripps out. Uh, I've got a bit of a detailed breakdown on Big Footy as to where that leaves us. It pushes Brander forward. It pushes Hutch forward. You know, it keeps O'Neill in the midfield. There's a few moving pieces there. But for me, if it was solely up to me, four in and four out. Now, we'll turn our attention to Essendon here, KK. As I said, they played on the same night as us, and they played an absolute ripper. They spotted Hawthorne, felt like, I think, 35, maybe 40 points. An awful start. A fantastic comeback, though. They stormed home. Danaher's back. And suddenly everything's good again in Bomberland. So it's not exactly going to be an easy one. Even if you look at the ladder, you think it might be a bit straightforward. KK, probably not going to be. No game straightforward this season. Yeah, I hope we get first half Essendon and not second half Essendon um, from their game. They are a bit, they're a very streaky team. And uh, they've done it to us in the past where they get get on a run, get their tails up, and they're a bit hard to stop. They're pretty solid through the midfield. Um, and they get a lot of drive off halfbacks. They're probably the two areas that we need to, to lock down on. I'm going to regret saying this, but I'm not too worried about Danaher this weekend. Um, on weekend, Tuesday. Can't, can't get my head around all these fixtures. After such a long time out, you often find players uh, okay first week, but it's backing up the next week. That's a problem. And they're not even backing up the next week. They're coming off a five-day break. So... This is going to bite me in the arse and he's going to kick six and Barras is going to have an absolute stinker and Essendon going to win. But, yeah, I'm not too worried about Dan here. I expect a flat week out of him, maybe even a flat performance across the team after such such a good win. Because really, you look at their form across the season, they're, they're as bad as often as they are good. They're a really pretty average side. And um, even with the chances you've proposed, I think we should still get over the top of them. 
I totally forgot about Nelson. I've loved him this season and I forgot to bring him back in. More research required, KK. <laughs> Get your shit together. No, no, that's all good. Look, I had Reid initially as an out as well, but the Crips news has changed that. I think Reid's going to get a bit of a reprieve because of that. But it will be tough for our forwards, particularly the smalls, to to play above themselves and really rise to the occasion. Let's talk about that ruck battle. It's an area that we've focused on a lot this year because it really drives the Eagles in nearly everything that we do. If I have my way, no Nick Natanui this week. And I just think large stretches of game time, short week, we really need him for the long run in. And also Essendon, second last in the league in hit out. So this is an area, it's a big ask for Williams and Allen. But, you know, this is an area perhaps you go, yep, we'll back in these kids to do enough to win the hit outs. Or KK, alternatively, you play Nick Nat and you hope that he absolutely dominates and gives us first use the whole way through. And maybe there's a rest somewhere else down the line for him. How do you approach that ruck battle or the ruck selection indeed? Well, look at our remaining fixtures and thinking that Nat Nui would be Due for a rest, this is the game to do it. I think I was probably a bit spooked by the fact that we lost to Richmond and now we need to win all our games that I didn't want to um, play with fire. But, yeah, I can I, I can see the benefit. And even if we don't have Nat Nui, though, in my head when I was planning the game that he would rest, I would have thought uh, we'd have, like, Hickey and Allen one game and then Nat Nui and Williams another game, that sort of thing. Um, having Allen come in for Kennedy's kind of thrown out the balance a bit. Under your scenario, they could absolutely get it done. It's it's a big ask, but they're both um, showing that they can step up, even Williams just in one game. You see how how competitive he is, and you know, I'd, I'd back him in to rise to the occasion if he has to. If Nat Nui's there, then, yeah, we should really dominate the ruck, and we, with their midfield strength, that's, that's going to be big, a big key to us as it always has been with Nat Nui firing this season. Now, we talked about Hutchings, and I think you and I are both in agreement that we should move him to the half-forward line and use him as a bit of a tagger. It's something we've seen before, specifically against Essendon. Uh, Sard in the past really springs to mind. He played on Lambert last uh, last week, or last you know throughout the week against Richmond. He played on Lambert. He did a great job. He held Lambert very, very quiet, and we've discussed in the past how crucial Lambert is to their link-up game. Now, you can't blame the bloke for winning his matchup, but the team's still losing. He did what was required. So Hutchings, obviously, for me, goes again. With that, you mentioned potentially tagging Ridley. Uh, another option, KK, might be Zach Merritt because he is in ripping form for the Bombers. 36 touches against the Hawks, 34 the week before, 24, 30, 33. He's getting six inside 50s, seven inside 50s, six inside 50s. He's going seven rebound 50s, four, four, three. He is getting involved in everything they do. He leads them in kicking and handballing and disposals. He's all over the joint at the moment. Is that somebody we could see get the Mark Hutchings treatment? As an option, yeah, but I think I think Hutchings, I like him sort of tagging out of the absolute centre. I think because Merritt is like their number one midfielder. I think we lose a bit too much when we have Hutchings sort of so so close to the contest in a purely defensive role. I'd rather, particularly Redden if he's there, or, or Shuey or Kelly, whoever's closest to him, to that, that shutdown job on him and then keep Hutchings, Hutchings away from there. There's a problem in prior seasons. Now we've got Kelly in there. I think it's even more imperative that we use our, our midfield talent um, in an offensive manner and not not worry about trying to shut down the opposition. And going back to your, your point about the team, we'll see what we do with, with the Rucks. It's obviously going to be a hugely different game if Nat Nui plays or if he doesn't. Um, and if he doesn't, then, yeah, you'd be, I'd be more inclined to to have someone with a defensive focus in there because we are going to, going to lose hit-outs than we would with Nat Nui there. 
<clears throat> yeah, I'm not a, not a huge fan of Hutchings as an in-the-middle tagger, especially and Essendon have weapons off halfback that he could quite easily um, go to them instead. Something we've seen the Eagles do really well when we've played Essendon in recent years. Now, of course, they're in the middle of that coaching change, so it's sort of hard to see exactly how they'll structure up against us. They might have shifted things around a little bit in their Eagles game plan coming in, but... We have had success against Essendon last year, although they did stifle us very well in 2018. One thing we've done very nicely is get our game plan going. We couldn't do it against Richmond, but last year against uh, the Bombers, we were comfortably eclipsing 100 marks every game. I actually think in that, uh, in that elimination final, we even potentially set our record for the year. We had 124. Shortened games, obviously, that number will come down. But the point is, we can get into our game style. We can control the tempo. We can control the pace. Meanwhile, for Essendon... They are 15th in kicks, they're 14th in marks, but they love the handball, they rank really highly in disposals, they go very direct and very quickly. So KK, yet again, it's the contrasting game styles for the Eagles with one of their hub opponents. Yeah, and let's hope we've learned a few things from Richmond. I think it's fair to say that even if Essendon are strategically close to Richmond, they're, they're not anywhere near as good at executing it and not for a long period of time. So we'll be wary of it, and but I, I think we'll be able to get the game on our terms a little more easy than we have against against Richmond. They're, they're, their structures and for Richmond are, are just fantastic. The way they they all know where they need to be at all times and where all their teammates are going to be, and I don't think Essendon are, are anywhere near that. Um, if they were, their record would probably be quite a bit better than it is, and um, they've had a, a few games where they've just yeah been pretty crap to be honest, and that, that sort of suggests that they don't have the either the talent or the discipline to to hold their structures as long as they should. So I'm pretty confident we'll be able to get our kick mark back game. And if we start well, I think the confidence of those guys that maybe had down games against Richmond will, will come back, um, and I'm backing that to happen. If we turn our attention to our back 50, it has been our strength this year, although probably our undoing against Richmond ultimately with those dropped into set marks playing a huge factor. Let's look at Essendon and we'll look at some of the big matchups. You've got the sort of headline guys. We've already touched on Danaher, and I think the Barras job there is pretty cut and dry. McGovern will be floating around trying to intercept. What about Stringer? What about Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody? Who do you see going to those guys to try and curb their influence? Stringer would be Shepard. I think he's he's our best defender against um, those mid, mid-sized forwards. For McDonald, Tip and Woody... Yeah, ignore my changes I said earlier because I'd like to get, find a way to get Nelson back in there. Um, he was certainly worthy of his spot when he was in and he only came out through injury. So, yeah, I'd get back him in there. And I think he's a kind of um, that dower that, that you want on a dangerous opponent like Donald Timothy, who can drift out of games if, he's, uh, if he doesn't start too well. So I think Nelson's the clear matchup. Even I, I assume they'll find a way to bring Nelson back into the side. So it's time to make the call then, KK. We said, or I said up top that we'd update you on the Geelong result. You'll be knowing now, obviously, listening to this in the future, that Geelong did in fact win and they really stormed home. The Dogs started up six goals. The Cats just closed absolutely in style. It leaves us in a situation where it's not yet must win every single game, but mathematically we're getting very, very close to that line. If the Eagles win all four games, we'll definitely finish above Richmond. Richmond and Geelong are still yet to play each other, so somebody's going to pick up a, a loss there as well. The window and the door, or whatever you want to call it, the season, the top four chase, it is still very open. 
It is still very alive, but the Eagles can't be affording to drop any silly games, and it, that is what I would classify this as. This would be a very silly loss for the Eagles to have. So for me, I'm going to say the Eagles win. I'm going to say they win by 19. I'm going to throw over to you now. What is going to happen on the weekend, and who is going to be the best Eagle afield? I agree with you. I think we're going to get back to the, the Premiership tilt, back to shades of 2018. Um, one of our, our best wins in... 2018, I thought, was when we beat Hawthorne that year at Etihad, who'd beat a, a bogey side for us. And I think we only won by about 20 points, but we just absolutely held them at bay. And I think that's the way it's going to be on the weekend. Um, so I'll go slightly under. I'll go 15 in a, a shortened quarter game, but, but a comfortable 15 points. And um, best of field, yeah, I'm going to back McGovern. He's He's been in good form, had... Uh, few disappointing moments on on Thursday, but I back him to, to bounce back against a team that's not as disciplined or as uh, good at bringing the ball forward in Essendon. For myself, it's very hard to go past Liam Ryan after his start, but I will, in fact, go past him because I'm going to go Luke Shuey. He lifted quite well in the fourth quarter of that Richmond game. Didn't have his best game ever, but some really clean passages cutting through the middle of the field, reading the ruck work really well. So I just think with Essendon, they're missing a couple of guys over, you know, they're out, they're missing Zaharakis, they're missing Heppel, these guys with some longer-term injuries. The Essendon midfield still has a fair bit of talent in there, and they're on a bit of form at the moment as well. But Luke Shuey is going to just grab the club by the scruff of the neck, drag him over the line himself, and he is really going to lead the way this week for me. So, yeah, Eagles by 19 for myself. Luke Shuey, best of field. That will do it from us this week, KK. It's been a uh, tight turnaround on last week's podcast, but we've got you back on. So thanks very much for opening your schedule up and for sharing your insight. No worries. Um, yeah, just remember when, you're, uh, when your broadcasting career takes off and years down the track you're becoming Lord Mayor of Perth, um, <laughs> just remember us little guys. Remember where it all started. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're in any danger of that, mate. No danger at all. But look, I will... I can never miss an opportunity to take a plug. Cheers for the free segue on that one. We will be calling the Essendon game again. I'll be calling it uh, alongside a few faces this week. Not entirely sure who's jumping on the call with me, but we'll see you there. If you would like to listen into that one, you just need to follow us on Twitter or Facebook to get the link. Crucially, it will not show up in this feed. The commentary that you're seeing in this Apple Podcasts feeds or Spotify feed, that was uploaded after the fact, so you can listen sort of on demand, but... The live call is not in this feed. You need to follow us on social media uh, and you need to jump on Big Footy. We'll be sharing that link absolutely everywhere. So thank you very much for listening to the show this week. We hope to see you on the live call on Tuesday. Any feedback towards that one would be great as well. If you want me to really get the boots stuck into Essendon, by all means, I will. So listen along. Should be very pro Eagles. It should be very fun. Until then, I've been Honey Badger 35 For Mr. KK, I'll be signing off now. We'll see you on Tuesday, and we will see the Eagles back on the winners list. Bye for now.